This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. You can help us to level up by supporting this podcast. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm and search for Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting and then hit the button that actually says support this podcast. I want you to go there now. Go, 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 go. And thank you ahead of time. Hey there, everyone, and thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the podcast talk show for parents. I'm Janice Robinson Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Black Parenting Magazine. I want you to tell all of your friends and followers about the show. So go to our Facebook page for Successful Black Parenting and share the link with your followers right now. Let people know you are joining us. Even better. You can click the options and start a watch party. In addition, you can comment on Facebook right below where I'm speaking, and I will post the best comments live on air. And for those who are listening, I will read them aloud and know that it can take a while for your questions to populate in the backstage area. So ask any questions early. So don't wait and know that our hashtag for the show is hashtag back talk. All right. So I look forward to seeing you guys posting. Now, my special guest for today is Leslie Ford, who is the founder of the group Mom's Hierarchy of Needs. And if you're a mom, you know we really need this podcast. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Please tell us what is Mom's Hierarchy of Needs? We want to know about that. Absolutely. Well, it, it came actually out of a conversation I had. Um, with some colleagues that I was working with at the time. And they were both men. One was a dad. uh, One was about to get married. And kind of it came out, we were doing a lot of research into stress, actually, at the time. And they said, why are moms so stressed? And I was like, let me tell (laughs) you. How how much time do you have? Let's sit down Mm -hmm. and talk about it. And I said, you know, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And then there's mom's hierarchy of needs. And as soon as I said it, I just felt something like, wait a minute, what would it look like? I kind of drew it on a piece of paper. Later that night, I went home and put it into PowerPoint. And then I was really curious, would other moms define it the same way? Would they think of this in the way that I'm thinking of it? So I actually did a couple of surveys. Um, I had like close to 150 moms who responded. And, you know, we moved things around and changed things and updated the descriptions. But you know, I wanted to kind of reflect what's going on for a lot of us. You know, unlike Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is very linear, it's like, oh, I've got food, check. I've got shelter, check. I'm, I'm moving on to my next kind of bigger, more aspirational goal. But, you know, if you notice at the bottom, a lot of the foundational things that we're prioritizing, you know, for many good, for good reason, children's well-being, children's health and milestones, um, you know, household, in the middle, kind of you get up to the middle, career, you know, volunteer responsibilities. Then, you know, when you get to the tippy tippy top, that's when you see 
self-care, learning, fun, personal growth, self-interest. And I think most of us, you know, are, whether it's, you know, we're, we're wired or socially conditioned to want to believe that we have to do everything at the bottom and that has to be done before we can reward ourselves with self-care or with the types of activities that, you know, we love to do um, or a chance to unwind. And, you know, the work at the bottom is never done. So you kind of end up in the cycle where you're, you find yourself never getting to the point of taking care of yourself. And um, so I got really curious about that. Um, I had gone through a really severe period of burnout after my second was born. And I started this, you know, now um, three years ago when she was almost two. And at that point, I just wondered how other people were doing it. You know, I was I was exhausted. I was never even someone who needed a lot of sleep. Um, and I was, I was just like, what are other women doing? What are other moms doing? You know, how, how am I going to get through this? And it just really opened up this incredible conversation, I think, with other moms and even other parents, other dads as well, about what we're prioritizing and why, um, why it's so stressful, and, you know, what kind of, what kind of steps can we take in our daily lives that make the journey more joyful and manageable. Right, right. So let me ask you, how many children do you have? Two. Two, and at what ages? My daughter, so when she was almost two at the time, she just turned five. Oh, and so that's awesome. my, my little one. And my oldest, he recently turned nine. Oh, wow. Okay. There's, oh, that's awesome. So you have a boy and yeah. a girl. Yeah. Fantastic. I always like to find out like, you know, about our parents and, yeah. and their kids. Okay. So let me ask, let's go back to this, this pyramid, because um, if you're, if the listeners are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of need, basically, like you said, it starts with like safety and uh, food and shelter. You need all of this, this, you know, basic needs, all of these basic needs in order to what they call actualize. Now we learn about this in psychology class in, in college usually. So basically to make it in this world, you have to climb the pyramid, like and get to the top, you've actualized, you made it basically. <laughs> you can, yeah. you, know, you know, you're this per, you know, well-rounded person, but you have to start with the bottom of the pyramid, which are basics like shelter and security. And that's why they say kids that don't have food or they don't have that secure home or you know, homeless, they can't move up the pyramid to be successful because they don't have the basic needs at the bottom. You can't climb it if you don't have what you need first. Exactly. So you have at the bottom, if you know, you guys can't see it that are listening, but you have the bottom of the pyramid as children's well-being um, and the children's activities. So let me ask you about that. So you, you kind of alluded to it. Yeah. You said that the children have to be taken care of first before mom can reach the top of the pyramid to have fun and, and take care of herself. So can you go into that a little bit more? Absolutely. And, you know, children's well-being. So interesting. I had all the children's like activities and well-being grouped together at first. And then a couple moms mm -hmm. were like, listen, getting to a doctor is very different than getting to a play date. <laughs> and I don't, and I do not prioritize them the same. And I was like, all mm -hmm. right, right. Fair enough. So I separated them, but you know, we want our you know, we want our kids to be healthy, happy, successful. We want them to meet all their developmental milestones. And, you know, childcare, and I'm putting that in quotes, is not something that is ever done. 
um, you know, we are always tending to our kids' needs. We are always spending time, even if we're not actively doing uh, childcare or helping them with school or talk, thinking or talking with them um, about what they need. We're thinking about it, and you know, it's one of those things where you know our kids are, in, you know, they're they're kind of they're vital, right? They're they're our hearts and souls, um, and you start to get into this though. I think false. Uh, reality or false narrative in your own mind where it's like, oh my gosh, I have to take care of the kids. I have to take care of the house. I have to take care of my partner. I have to take care of my family. Um, if your parents are at a stage of life where your parents are getting older, oh my God, I have to take care of my parents. And then it's so many women and so many moms that I've interviewed and have surveyed, they're skipping, they're skipping their workouts. They're not eating healthy. Um, they're, they're skipping doctor's appointments. They're getting depressed. They're getting anxious. They're feeling trapped. They're feeling like there's no way out. And that joy, that I think enthusiasm, and that balance that allows us to keep the energy going for the long-term race that is parenting, you know, without some self-care, without putting those things into the mix, it's like you burn out. Um, and that's a, I think that's a dangerous place for us and it's a dangerous place for our kids. Now, what about the, the philosophy of um, putting your oxygen mask on first yeah. and then putting your kids on? How, does that play into this? And then I'm not talking about neglectful moms that only take right. care of themselves and the kids are right. looking raggedy. No, I'm not talking about those because we don't talk about them. <laughs> we don't talk about them. But I'm talking about just taking care of yourself so that you can be there and um, be a good mom. What about that? How does that play into this? I, I think that's a really great question. Um, and it comes up a lot. And I and that analogy comes up a lot. I think that where that plays in is that instead of waiting until everything on the bottom of the pyramid is you know done or finished, because these are things that are never finished, you give yourself permission to have mm-hmm space at the top and you make that part of your plan A um, and maybe it even has to be part of a plan B and a plan C because we all know that you might have the best intentions to go for a run or to go for yoga or to, you know, cook a great meal and then, you know, you can, someone might throw up on you or someone <laughs> might, you know, it's just like your whole plan can change in a heartbeat. So, you know, it's not as if I think we have a lot of the discretionary time that we do have, which is pretty small, is very unpredictable. And that's part of the challenge. But the oxygen mask analogy, it's like, make it more predictable. Set aside your time. Like I go, you know, I run every single day, um, you know, and I do that in the morning. My first choice is to do it before the kids wake up. Sometimes my little one will wake up long before she's supposed to wake up. So if that happens, I put her in the rolling, you know, running stroller and she comes, she comes with me <laughs> and it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of workout, but I still get my workout and, um, you know, journaling and meditation has become really important to me for clarity, making time for that in the mornings. And instead of cleaning at every counter and racing around the kitchen and spinning around the house and starting to do work email, like I carve out that space and it makes me a better, more present, more clear, um, less stressed mom. And I, I show up for my kids differently. I also 
believe strongly that what we model for them is what they will internalize and take to their children and into their lives. So if they see us taking care of ourselves and prioritizing our health and our well-being and our learning and our growth, you know, they're going to say, wow, okay, I'm seeing that that's important. So I'm going to plan to put a priority on that too. Okay. So, you know, when you started describing that and I started imagining your pyramid, it, it, it seems like your pyramid has steps, almost like the Mexican pyramids, like in Tulum, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, instead of the slick ones, these layers, right. because, you know, you get rid of a layer here, a layer there, you're kind of climbing your pyramid and you can go up and you can come back down. Yeah, that's kind of, so that's how I visualize. I'm a very visual person. So yes. that's how I visualized it. Okay. So that, that's pretty interesting. So you don't have to stay on one level that those levels are kind of continuous and, and interact with one another. I like that idea. I think that's pretty cool. Exactly. So, um, well, also, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was say something you mentioned is interesting that sometimes you slide back down. I think that's a really mm -hmm. important piece because it's not linear. Things happen, right? Um, something could go on in your family. I was I ran into a friend today. You know, she's she's uh, her child is having some health challenges, and so mm -hmm. all of her energy and the family's energy is kind of focused there right now. And it's like, all right, you know, you things will come up, things will happen, things that you don't predict, that you don't plan. So it's okay. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it's like people should not feel judged or uh, guilty about self-care being yet another bar that we have to meet. Um, it's like it's aspirational. It should be an important part of how we think about our time. But it's not going to work out necessarily every day, right, or every week. Right. But what happens to moms that put all of their energy into their family and totally just neglect themselves. What happens to most people? What have you found? Yeah. They, oh, I mean, they're, they're unhappy. Um, and, and by like deeply unhappy, there are, you know, there are surveys where I've had people, I mean, I get sometimes the two big studies that I've done. Um, one was on the mental load for moms and how that plays out in day-to-day -day life. Uh, the other big one was on personal boundaries. Why do we set them? Why don't we set them? Why do we feel so guilty about setting them? And our personal boundaries really the antidote, right, to overdo and overwhelm, which is where most moms live. But, you know, what happens, it becomes corrosive. Um, moms are increasingly depressed, increasingly anxious. Moms are at greater risk for a lot of very, um, you know, stress-induced negative health conditions like, you know, heart disease, you know, uh, there's, there's a fairly, you know, high blood pressure. It's, it's frightening. And when I hear women express themselves, it's like, I've heard people say it's, and it's not even just once. It's like, I feel like I want to die. I feel like the walls are closing in on me. I'm having trouble breathing. I can't sleep. I need, you know, half a bottle of wine to go to bed. I you know, this is like rippling into people's lives in I think really scary ways. And I think as a culture, you know, even, even if I, as a mom, right, I'm very invested in this, but even as a culture, like we need to care about our caregivers. And it's a continuing conversation that work that seems invisible to everybody else, uh, work that is, you know, uncompensated or unpaid work is often the work that's undervalued and dismissed in our society. And moms are 
working their tails off and moms are putting so much into the, into their families and into keeping things afloat. And if they're, if they don't have the opportunity for some self-care or learning or growth and self-care doesn't look the same for everybody, that just kind of, it kind of dampens the spirit, you know, and, and people start to feel really crushed by it. Right, right. And you mentioned they're not happy um, if they don't take care of themselves for long periods of time. But one of the things you mentioned that you do, you said you journal and you meditate. And it's something about people that meditate. They have this aura of peace about them. I don't get it. You have that, too. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I work for it. I'm going to meditate. I used to only use meditation to keep my kids quiet in the back seat and tell them to meditate. <laughs> they'll tell you this, today you asked them about this story they'll tell you how much they had they told me i don't like to meditate exactly well i've been trying to get my son to do it and it's very uh-huh. inconsistent but i i have been trying to teach my children um how to do it but yeah it's um it's been a big thing for me and and just kind of pausing and pausing being quiet, um, being alone, you know, that's, an, it's, it's funny. It's, it's not a, it's not a coincidence. Every survey I've done when I ask moms, what do they do to unwind? What does make them happy? How do they de-stress? It's like the overwhelming majority of the activities are things that you do by yourself. Right. So it's uh, hard to do. You can't even go to the bathroom without exactly. somebody knocking on the door, peeping under the door. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's like no private. My, my kids will still like, Hey mom, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. the bathroom, honey, can, can we, can right. we wait? Um, so yeah, it's, it's that it's, you know, having a chance to take some time just to clear your head, to think a thought, um, to take a breath and also frankly to not be needed you know we're we're needed a lot and it's you know it's beautiful in many ways I mean I'm very like I'm honored by it I always really wanted to be a mom it was a hard journey for me like I it's the best most important thing I've ever done so I'm very happy about it um, and it, it's it's an important part of who I am now but at the same time when you are needed, all the time, you you don't get the same chance to reflect. Um, and I think what also happens for a lot of moms and what I've seen in the results and in the survey, people start to feel really disconnected from their identity, right? And they kind of have an identity crisis, like, well, who, who am I now, right? Like, I used to be the person, like, for me, it was reading, right? And I'm, I, I've kind of come back to reading mostly through audiobooks, though, Right. But I was the person who like I was that kid who would take a stack of books home this high and I was constantly reading. And then after kids, you know, you're trying to hold a book in your hand. A baby's like pulling at it, pulling at you, pulling at your face. You know, you give up um, or you sit down after your child's asleep with your book and, you you know, you fall asleep um, because you're so exhausted. So I've come back to reading through audiobooks. But you know, if you if you identify based on the things that you used to do, like I love I was a dancer for a long time. I danced competitively. Like I love to dance. I love to, I'm a big cook. You know, I love to do, I went to culinary school once upon a time. So I like to do certain things like that. And now it's like I'm making, you know, I'm making banana bread and birthday cakes. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not (laughs) I'm not making like elaborate, you know. I'm not making chocolate mousse or I'm not making a caramel tower anymore. I'm making banana bread and birthday cake and, you know, things that you may have thought of as part of 
who you were and your personal brand, those things change. And I think that that shift, uh, you sometimes look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, who, you know, who am I now? So I think that reconciliation is very hard for moms, um, especially in career. I know work-wise, um, you know, I, I, I love this research and writing and, and this is an important part of what I do. I also work full time. Um, but the way I used to show up at work, like I could just outwork everybody because I can work like a machine and I would be the one who stayed the latest and work the longest. And then when you, so you have to all then reevaluate, well, how can I be successful in my career now? And how can I differentiate myself now? And how can I grow and ascend in seniority now when I can't work the longest hours anymore? What does that look like? So I think those types of questions are hard, right? It takes, it takes a lot of reflection and it takes time. And that's where I think the meditation and the journaling and having some space to do that really helps. Well, first of all, let me just go back and say audiobooks rock. Um, they're very underrated. I love audiobooks. I can't listen to them at night because they put me to sleep, but I can listen to them in a the car. And that's when I, I like to have my moment. But what time do you get up in the morning, woman? You're talking about meditating and journaling or getting up early. What time, what's your schedule look like? Are you up at what time in bed? What time? Yeah, well, so it, I, I, things have slid a little bit. Things are not in the, the greatest place right now. <laughs> Some, I was getting I was getting to bed by ten uh, for a little while there, and that was that was actually working out really well because then I could wake up like you know five, sometimes even four thirty, and I could feel good about that. Um, lately, I don't know. I think I'm like something in me is like rebelling against going to bed early. Plus, I've been really <laughs> I started a new job. I've been busy at work. Like I'm learning a lot of new things. So. I've, it's just been creeping later and later and later. Um, so nowadays, I'd say I'm, I'm a later end. I'm waking up more like five thirty six, um, but I usually still have a little bit of space to do my to go for a run and to do, if not a full meditation, a little bit of meditation. If I don't have time to journal, sometimes on the train, like on my way into work, I'll use that time to do it there. Um, you know, the audiobooks, I now wait till the afternoons. Um, I, it was actually a woman that I, uh, a sister that I had interviewed, um, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, this was, uh, last year. And she talked about just like giving yourself that space to listen and mm-hmm. keeping things quiet. And I really thought about that. So now the mornings, which are my most productive, creative time, I'm not reading, I'm not listening to television. I do just a quick email check to make sure nothing's blown up. I'm not doing a lot of social media. I try to make that my creative space. Um, and then I will listen to audiobooks, like starting, you know, on my afternoon, like running out for lunch or my afternoon commute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, I use that time while I'm cooking dinner. I listen to audiobooks. Actually, right now I'm listening to um, Toni Morrison's uh, self of uh, source of self-regard, which is, uh, you know, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, but, you know, just I play it on speaker because my kids are usually in the other room. This is when I allow them to have screen, screen time uh, during the evening. It's like after 530 before we eat dinner, which is usually around 615. So it gives me like 30, 45 minutes cooking time. I'm in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, that's when I will listen to more books. So I'm actually reading a lot, uh, even though it's mostly audio. Well, we had a comment. Um, Camille said, as a young mom, 
She recalls having a meltdown because it took her four nights to get through a movie. I imagine she's like me. She fell asleep because <laughs> you're so tired. <laughs> There's no such thing as watching movies at night for me. It's just putting me to no. sleep. But, but I mean, I mean, this is pretty much typical for moms, right? I mean, we, we have Absolutely. a hard time staying up to do things at night. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's part of the identity thing. So Camille, don't worry. It, it will change. It will, it will shift. I mean, <laughs> I think for each of my kids, you know, so my daughter, this was just like last year, I think around age four, like I noticed a real difference. Like suddenly there was one night, um, the whole family, we were all out, you know, um, my husband was talking to someone, we were at a party. And I remember like, I looked down and I was eating and I was using two hands and my son or like my daughter, my son, no one was on my lap. (laughs) They were like on the other side of the room. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're over there. I like I'm <laughs> with my hands free. This is crazy. And it starts to happen around age four. So if when your kids are at least for ours, it did. But if your kids are babies, if they're infants, like, yeah, you're going to sleep should be your priority. Don't feel bad about it. Um, if you get in a movie once in a while or maybe, you know, my goodness, maybe you watch a movie during the day sometime or <laughs> during lunch sometime or something like that. But it it, it will shift. It's hard, though. Right watch movies in the daytime. I can't even go to a movie theater at night. So it's exactly. over. I might be not. And I, uh, yeah, exactly. No. So. <laughs> exactly. We, you're right. Okay. So but can we have it all? I mean, why not? We, we're, we're working, we're managing children in the household. And some of us have side hustles too. Mm-hmm. Like can moms have it all, Leslie? Can we? No, no. Um, I think they have no. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I caveat that. The, the, I think the having it all is really, um, it's a myth. And uh, I was talking with some moms actually at the playground about this, maybe just a couple months ago. Like we started kind of having a conversation about work and working motherhood and what that really feels like. And the fact that no one really tells you about it until afterwards and no one talks to you about it. And they're like, you know, women came into my, to my university and talked about work and no one talked about this and how hard it is. And so it's kind of like this secret, this well-kept secret that you don't discover until afterwards. And if you've worked your, you know, if you worked and you've really put energy into your career and that was part of your identity, suddenly having to really shift how you do it, what you can do, how aggressive you can be, um, that's huge. So mm-hmm. I think what you can do, though, is you can have what's important to you. You can select a few things that are really important to you and create the terms under which that works for you. So, you know, it, it, it like prioritizing that family time, prioritizing that fa- time with our kids. I make sure during that time after work, before they go to bed, I'm not on a screen. You know, I'm listening to Toni Morrison in the kitchen while I'm chopping, but they're sitting out, you know, watching an iPad or, you know, playing a game. So that, that, that doesn't feel like a time loss to them, but I make sure until they go to bed. And then on the weekends, like unless they are getting screen time, which is allocated and it's monitored because they go crazy if they get too much of it. Um, so that's happening. Like then I will, you know, check messages or write something, but otherwise like that's focus. And that's, that was really important to me that when it's their time, I'm in mom mode. Um, and my work stuff and my writing and everything else, I kind of put that till after they're in bed. So I feel good about that. I work, I travel a good amount for my job. Um, I kind of gave a, myself a rule that I wouldn't travel more than like two nights. This is when they were babies. 
Uh, now it's like more than three nights in a row uh, without them. And I've brought them on trips because of that rule. So if I've had to go somewhere that's farther and longer, like an international trip, I brought my kids with me. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my brand of how I've reconciled the having it all, right? It's like, it's not really having it all. It's making tremendous trade-offs. It's there's sacrifice, but I'm carving out what I think is really important and doing it in a way that works for me. What about hacks? You know, we're all looking for those hacks, those mom yeah. hacks, those household hacks. Do you have any mom hacks that you can share with us to help us? <laughs> uh, oh, I have so many. Well, certainly the, the audiobooks are a huge one. And um, and, and I'll mention, is it okay if I mention, I'm not affiliated with these companies by any means, but sure. Audible, um, which I love, 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 but also your library, your local library, there's an app called Libby. So most libraries are part of a network. So you can just, you know, for free, like actually my Tony, so you did for three weeks, like Audible. So you can listen to it on your phone or, you know, on the go. Um, I prep a lot ahead for meals, so that's and it's free. Wait, hold on, it's free. Stop, yeah, it's completely free. It's free, Libby, it's free. and it's Libby. called Libby. Yep, you download the app, and then you have to like log in using your library card. So if you're a member of your local library, they're probably part of this digital network. I think the network is called okay. Minuteman, and you like log in with your library card. You set up a user ID. And it's free. So, you know, I run out of Audible books all the time because you get like one a month. So I'm using Libby to supplement and I'm using podcasts to supplement. And that's been amazing. It was another mom who told me about that. Um, I do a lot of food hacks. I won't go into too many of them, but, you know, I kind of I have a whole system for meals and, and dinner, even though I love to cook. I was running out of time and I was getting angry and I'd be like swearing at myself at like nine o'clock at night trying to feed my kids because I made some elaborate dinner, which was crazy. Right. So I was like, OK, dinner's going to be less interesting, but it's still going to be high quality. It's going to be healthy. So every weekend I will roast a chicken. Um, I'll put like a, you know, like a pulled pork, like a, a pork shoulder in the slow cooker. I do something pretty large on weekends where I have more time. And then I'm making chicken burritos, I'm making chicken quesadillas, I'm making uh, pork salad, I'm making pork sliders, like I'm making, you know, variations, pork and rice, you know, it's like that is turning into, you know, three dishes. Um, so that way, I'm not like starting from scratch every night, I cut all the vegetables for my kids, like I want them to have at least two or three vegetables with every meal. And, and it's a thing for me, their nutrition, I cut like carrots and cucumbers, a day or two ahead and I like do double or triple chopping and I just put them in like little, you know, containers in the fridge so that I can, you know, have that ready to go um, the next day. So those are a couple of food hacks. Um, you know, I actually have a friend had recommended to me. There's a whole bunch of brands that make these. It's like a customizable notebook. So basically the pages come out. So, you know, you can pull the pages out and put it in like wherever you want. Um, and I actually found that really helpful because I found myself in a regular notebook. I'm like writing my to-do list over and over and over again. And then I'm like 15 pages away from it and it's useless and I have to write it again. And so this way I keep like my to-do list and like my key things like in the front of the notebook. And that's been a huge thing. It was another mom who uh, shared that with me and I kind of have Can you that hat. Share where you got that from and what's it called? Sure. Is it a brand I, name? You know, this one was actually, this one was the Martha Stewart brand. 
Um, but there was also a couple of other brands. I went to Staples and I just went into a Staples one afternoon on my lunch and, and just picked it up and they have them on Amazon too. Um, so the, the, like if you just type in customizable notebook, there are several different brands that make them. Um, and it was just like, I needed to kind of upgrade how I organize things because things are just getting out of control. So that's been a good hack for me recently. Um, you know, uh, there's some other things like with the, you know, working out and exercise. I have a lot of hacks there. Like now, granted, it's not like the sexiest thing in the world, but I wear my running like sports bra, T-shirt. I don't wear like, you know, the running pants, but I will wear the top part. So I'm all ready to go in the morning. I will put the pants like on my side of the bed so that I'm not going to wake up my husband. I will put on the running pants. I have everything like laid out where I need it so that, it's a, it's a clean escape. If I had to actually get dressed and find my clothes in the dark and all that, then it just wouldn't happen. Um, I also have, like I said, a plan B and a plan C. So if I can't run in the morning because my daughter's woken up, um, you know, by myself, then I'll take her in the stroller because she's still small enough for that. Um, if I can't do that, then I will bring everything <laughs> to work and I will run like at lunchtime, you know, so I kind of have like a backup plan so that I know that I'm getting that exercise in. And sometimes I'll go running for 10 minutes because I have no time that day. Like I have an early meeting or something's going on. And to me, it's like 10 minutes is better than no minutes. And it, I feel, you know, it helps me feel better. It helps me manage stress. Um, so those are just a few workout types of hacks. You know, whatever your workout thing is, there's like probably a system that will like tip the scale so you can make it happen. You need a TV show called Organize My Life, like because I'm envious of people that are just organized. I am. I mean, I manage, but I'm lucky if I put an outfit out for the next day. I mean, it's helpful for sure. For sure. I don't think about it. But, you know, I, sometimes I'm just so tired. I collapse exactly. at night. And, but yeah, like, you know, Yann LaVanzan has that show. Fix my you need Organize oh. My Life. Not fix my life. Because <laughs> you I mean, I don't I know. how. Oh my God, I've already passed out as soon as you know, I get home. So I know. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, there's one more though. Actually, you just made me think of one that's been really incredible. Like batching activities so that you're doing the you're doing things in bulk and you're doing them at the right time. So if your creative time is in the morning, like I try almost as much as possible to schedule meetings in the afternoon so that I'm not sitting in a meeting or doing email or doing something that's very low brain activity for me during my most creative time. Like use that time to, you know, build your business plan or write a presentation or solve world hunger, you know, whatever it is that's your thing that you care about, like do that during your peak creative time. And then when your brain is mush, right, by the end of the day, like that's when you check your email and pay your bills and do those really kind of routine tasks that you can do with your eyes closed. So that's been a game changer for me too. Wow. Okay. Now that's very helpful. And you mentioned the slow cooker. I just want to give slow cookers a shout out because yeah. they have saved me many a time, especially with, like you said, with those roasts and chickens and everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had a giveaway on our Twitter for slow cooker. And then another uh, mom that didn't win contacted me and said, you know, she saw our, our article about slow cooking and some recipes and she couldn't afford one. And, you know, not to brag or anything, so I haven't said anything this to anyone ever, but, you know, we I got her a slow cooker because she couldn't Aww. afford one. 
and she had like four kids. So, you know, if I have it, I try to help. I'm not wealthy by any means, <laughs> but you know, I know how it is to be a single mom and trying to get things done because I was a single mom for a good while there. So, but anyway, um, oh, what does your group do? Tell us about that and how does it help moms? And your website is, is moms hierarchy. Yes. Um, so the focus has really been around like learning and sharing the learning around this journey to self-care and growth and managing stress. Um, I think those are really the big pillars. And I, I try to interview incredible moms who are doing all the things that we're told we can't do. Like, oh, you can't start a business. Oh, you can't take on a big job. You can't travel. You can't write a book. You can't take care of yourself and your parents and your kids. I mean, and no, you can't do all of those things. And you can't do them all at the same time. But it's like society wants to tell us that we can't, right? And it's like, well, wait a minute. There's there's women who are figuring it out, and I learn a I learn a ton. And the moms in my community learn a lot every time. And I always ask them, like, okay, tell me what you're doing for self care. Tell me how you did that. No, 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 no. Not the answer up here that you give everybody else. Tell me how you really did that. How did you structure your time? How did you structure your day? Because there is some magic to it. And if we all talk about these things more, about stress, about challenges in our relationships and with our partners and trying to get them to share the mental load and, you know, and sometimes, you know, sex and, you know, our kids and, you know, the things that we're kind of dealing with, if we're open about it and we help each other with it in a very non-judgmental way, I think the world becomes a better place. So that's the focus there. Um, and I do a ton of research, including these studies around a big topic. And then I will write about that big topic for several months, like the mental load. And I wrote about like how it affects relationships, how it affects um, our presence with our kids, you know, and by relationships, I mean, with our partners or spouse with, you know, in with our career, I wrote a, a several pieces about mental load and how that affects your job. Because if you think about it, a lot of us are paid to think, right? We're paid to solve problems. So if you're thinking about, oh my gosh, did I order those shoes? Oh, wow, I have to return that to Zappos. I'm going to run out of time. Oh my gosh, my son, his hair looks so nappy. It's got to get cut. You know, if you're thinking those things and those are, and that's the tape loop running through your head all the time, all the things that you, that are on your to-do list, like that crowds out space. Um, and if you're being asked questions and making decisions all day long, like, Decision fatigue is a physical thing. It's a biological thing. You run out of decision-making capacity at a certain point. And if you shore all that up for like picking out shoes and figuring out what sippy cup to use, then when you have to do something that's stretching for yourself or for your career or, you know, for your family in some other area, it's like that space, like there's no space left. So I think those are the types of things that I write about and research and try to get real data around so we can all get, you know, make our lives better. Well, I'm looking at your pyramid and I don't see where you put, uh, say, okay, healthy relationships. I was looking for sex. <laughs> where, did I that in? where did that go? I think that falls into healthy relationships. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I had, uh, this is a whole other, I had a, I wrote about it actually. I had a conversation with a dad. He's a stranger. We just happened to meet on the train. And we, got, we ended up talking for an hour and a half about 
just all the like the difficult things, things that I couldn't, things I would never be able to talk about with my own husband. Don't tell him. Shh. Uh, but it's like, you know, just you know, like sharing household responsibilities and his point of view. And then I told him, well, here's what your wife's probably thinking. <laughs> you know, he's like, I, I do the laundry and, and it doesn't seem to, you know, like I heard men are sexy when they do the laundry. And I'm like, well, yeah, they are. And I'm, he's like, well, I'm not seeing that. And I'm like, well, are you really doing the laundry? He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, no, no, no. Really doing the laundry is, he's like, I fold. I said, no, 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 no. Doing the laundry is noticing when there's no detergent Noticing when you have to buy more, that's putting the laundry in, that's folding it, that's making sure everything is there, that's making sure the laundry area is clean afterward. Like that is doing the laundry, right? So you're doing this little slice and thinking, oh my gosh, my wife should be so happy. And it's like, well, no, she's still, oh, and not being reminded to do it. I mentioned that. So she's still keeping that on her mental to-do list. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's a burden, like that's taking up space that she could use in her brain for something else. So I think those types of conversations and having awareness, like self-awareness for what our stress triggers are, you know, what's kind of happening to our time, um, you know, what's kind of happening in our daily lives. And then also what do we have to do to fix it? Um, there's a woman I interviewed her. Um, a couple of times, Tiffany Dufu. I don't know if you ever read her book, Drop the Ball. Um, she's a sister also. Uh, she, yeah, she's she's a sister. She's amazing. She writes about, basically, it took her like two, maybe two and a half years to get her husband to uh, share equally all of the housework, all of the childcare. And the book is hilarious because she's talking about all the steps and missteps and arguments and everything that it took to get to that point. But she did it in over two years. And now, granted, I haven't done this yet. My home, it's something I work, and we work on all the time. But I'm like, wow, I'm interviewing someone who's actually done this. And so many of us are trying to do this. Like, those are the types of tips and tools that if we share with each other, you know, we, we get stronger. Great. No, that, that's absolutely great. Well, we run, we definitely ran out of time, but it was okay. so good talking to you. I want to know if there's one thing you want our moms to know, what is it? Um, self-care is important. It's, it's not optional. It's not something for when you have time. It's something that you deserve. And what's good for you is good for your family. We're living in, I think, really stressful times for moms of color. There's a lot of conversations we have that not every mom has. There's a lot of things that are on our minds that not every mom is thinking about. And so like, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself, you know, go on out there, do what you need to do. If you have a bad day, it's okay, right? It There's another day. So um, I see that. I hear that. A lot of us don't feel seen and heard. A lot of us feel invisible and visible at the same time. And it's very tough. So, um, so cheers to all of you parents who are just doing it every day. Right. Thank you so much, Leslie. She is the founder of Mom's Hier- Hierarchy of Needs. I'm going to put this up here so you guys can see it. So that's her website. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. We love having you. And and no, thank you. And thank you all for listening and participating. If you were watching and if you're listening to this later, please make sure you share this. This is some good advice for moms. Um, It is Backtalk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, a podcast talk show for parents. Now, if you missed part of the show, don't worry. 
you can just wait a few minutes and click the replay of this podcast in this very same box that I'm talking to you now in. And you can also share it right here on Facebook. So let's get the words out. It's Mom's Weekend here at Backtalk. And our next episode is tomorrow, October 12th at 11 a.m. Pacific time and 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And it's about millennial moms. And so we're going to find out what's the difference between millennial, here we go, millennial moms. <laughs> and we're going to see like what, you know, there's some um, generational differences. I am not one. I, I wish I could say that I was that young, but I'm not. Um, but we're going to discuss also the guilt that we sometimes have about leaving the children and going to work while some of us run away to get to work just to get away. So stay tuned. And you'll see the post for that broadcast on our Facebook page at Black Parenting One. Put that in the uh, search bar or Successful Black Parenting and it'll come up and be sure to tag any friends in the post. And the cool thing about it is that when you see it, hit the little get reminder button so that you don't forget to tune in. It'll automatically pop up for you. And you can always ask questions live in the chat, which is below our box where you see us talking in the Facebook comment section. And if your question gets picked, I'll post it live on air like we did for Camille today. Um, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us too on Twitter. And I mentioned Facebook. They're both at Black Parenting One. And on Instagram, we're Black Parenting Magazine. Our website is SuccessfulBlackParenting.com. And it's full of great content to help you thrive and not just survive as a parent. So be sure to rate our podcast. And until next time, take care of yourself because you never know when the world will need you. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon.